Welcome to the Smell Yeah podcast. I'm your host, Irene Plax. Whether your sense of smell is unusually strong or you're the complete opposite, this podcast is for you. Let's get into it. Smell yeah. You smell that? It's episode three, the spiritual sense of smell. Three different spiritual practitioners share how smell is used in their tradition. Episcopal priest Steve Pollacus, Lukumi priestess Maya Luisa, and Ayurvedic physician Dr. Sundara Raman are dropping jewels. When you scent your space, your body, or when you choose to add scent to an experience, it adds a sensory element, it heightens things, it makes you more aware, and it adorns the present moment, brandishing it in your memory. Smells have always seemed spiritual to me because they're mysterious, like vapors, as if they're coming from another realm or a higher power, and at the same time, they ground us to our own earthly presence. Smell is used to clear our auras, spaces, connect us with altars and ancestors, create holy moments, and provide renewal and protection. The writer Diane Ackerman points out that the Latin roots of the word perfume mean through smoke, and incense has long been an offering to the gods. Whatever your own spiritual beliefs may be, the act of tuning into smell can be a meditation, or in the case of some smell loss, a road to recovery. And as always, we're giving you tips. I started out by asking each of the guests how they came to their practice. Here's what they had to say. Steve Pollacus, you are my friend in real life and a priest at All Saints Episcopal Church in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Welcome to the Smell Yeah podcast. Can you tell us about how you ended up in this role? Irene, good to see you. Thanks so much for having me. I was like a senior in high school and I got confirmed and I thought, oh, I wish I could just do this all the time. Um, but it seems so strange. I mean, I didn't know you could actually become a priest. I was just like, that's something that other people do. So I went to college and um, I thought I'd do something else. And the more time that went on, I was just like, no, actually, like, I might deepest desire is to is to be a priest and to serve this way like I really I just felt it like deep inside of me and I've had the privilege since then of walking with many people as they're um, discerning which is the word we use whether they are also called which is the other word that we use um, to this vocation which is a third word that we use uh, discernment calling and vocation they're all actually like very interrelated but the thing that separates it from some other things that people do in their professional lives, at least, is that um, the priesthood is something that we believe that comes from outside of you. It's something that you're sort of that God calls you into. It's not any better or worse than something else, but it's not like you can't just wake up one day and decide, like, I'm going to be a priest. Um, you go through a whole process and there are committees and you go through a lot of training. I went to seminary for three years. I was a hospital chaplain for a summer. Um, I served in a homeless shelter. Um, it takes a very, very long time. And um, it's all for good reason because it's an incredibly fulfilling but also powerful position where you have the potential to do so much good in people's lives. And so I, the way I understand it, it's like you need as much training and formation as you possibly can in order to be able to use this, this, this vocation for good in the world. And when people talk about Christianity, oftentimes they talk about it like this kind of monolith, like it's one big, huge thing. But really, 
it's a, it's a catch-all term for many, many different traditions, some of which are kind of diametrically opposed. I mean, I know there are a lot of Christians out there that wouldn't even consider me to be a Christian. I've been told that many times. Um, I'm gay, and for some people who call themselves Christians, that means that I am not Christian. Um, my tradition affirms LGBTQ people, um, the role of women in leadership in the church and elsewhere. And mostly it's just like, we're not afraid to ask questions. I get this incredible privilege of being a leader of my congregation um, and and of, of, of playing my role in making sure that when people come through the doors of this place, they, they feel immediately that they are loved. Um, it doesn't matter who they are or what they believe. They are welcome, and even if they're just here one time or if they're here for a lifetime, they are a valued person. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff there, too, um, but that's kind of how I, how I got into this whole thing. Introducing our next guest. Hi, welcome to the Smell Yeah podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Cool. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, hi, my name is Maya Luisa. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, and I am a dancer and a jewelry designer. And who is that in the background? Let's shout him out. That's my first son. He just turned one, Ibrahim Lua, and um, I just woke him up from his nap, so he's upset. (laughs) Happy birthday to him, and congratulations to you. So... I know you because I take your dance and yoga classes, and I noticed you're big on using rose water to cleanse your aura before we start practice, and you encourage us to do so as well. So I was like, hmm. And in addition to being a jeweler and a dancer, you're also a Lukumi priestess. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I'm initiated into the mysteries of Oshun, and I was initiated in Havana, Cuba, 14 years ago, I turned 15 in August. So a huge part of um, this tradition is we work with herbs, we work with plants, we do plant medicine, cleansings with different plants and the medicinal properties of the plants. Flowers, we work with flowers too, as not only as offerings, but as like ways to clean your body. And so I have a dance studio in Brooklyn. So if you had come to my dance studio in Brooklyn, at the end of the class, I have uh, you have your Shavasana period of time. And I used to go to everybody and I would rub a little bit of lavender oil on their temples. And that was just like the cherry on top, a reset you know, just get you ready for bed, but also just to relax you even more into the moment. Beautiful. I wanted to back up a little. For listeners who might not know about Oshun, could you give us some background? Of course. Oshun is a Yoruba goddess of love, river, art, of creativity. She is one of the patron saints of of Cuba. She is an Orisha and she's the goddess of sensuality, of your know, feminine parts, of um and a lot 
of Oshun's spiritual work, a lot of it has to do with smell as well. There's the offering that you can give to her of perfume and of, you know, those are things like Oshun is definitely um, the most like glamorous Arisha, I could say. Um, and just reminds us to take care of our bodies, very grounded in your body. Um, she is the owner of femininity, gold, riches, everything that makes life worth living, that is Oshun. So she's a Yoruba goddess and was is also um, worshipped throughout the Americas too, and um, especially in Cuba and Brazil and New York City. <laughs> and to back it up even further, you mentioned that she's a Yoruba goddess. Can you talk about the Yoruba tradition and where it comes from? The Yoruba tradition comes from Nigeria, Ileife, and um, it's, a, it's a tradition, um, some people call it Ifa, and um, in Brazil it's called Domble, in Cuba it's Santeria, and so um, it's a religion that's based off of the forces of nature. There's a spirit of the ocean. Oshun is the spirit of the river. There's a spirit of, you know, the woods, of volcanoes, of clouds. And, you know, it's kind of like we, there's one God and then the Arishas are just the rays of, the, of like the sun. So um, every Arisha has different qualities and characteristics that you would kind of similar to like a, like a saint in Catholicism that you have saints that look over certain things. Same thing with Arisha, you know, when you want to, when you got some work to do and you going to just push through with tenacity and force and like get things done, that's Ogun energy. You know, when you want to open up your roads, you have to go to Alagua. So, yeah, so that's the, it's often referred to as Ifa, Ifa tradition. And how did you come to Oshun? Oh, <laughs> it's divine. So before you, before you go through your initiation process, you do a big ceremony, three days, and um, they, they call it like you, pull your head like they find out which Orisha has your head so um, it's not like you get to choose it's like it's written when you're born I know a lot of priests we do this where like we'll we'll know somebody and we're like hmm they have white hair they like to wear white they're very um, smart as a child of Obatala like we try it but the only way to really know is through a ceremony. Introducing our next guest. Welcome to the Smell Yap podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Dr. Yeah. Sundara Rahman is typically based in Nilgris in the southern Indian state of Tamil Nadu, where he runs the Mountaintop Ayurveda Clinic. But during our interview, he was in the north of India, where he was offering his services as an Ayurvedic physician for COVID patients. He reported the situation is improving, and he was hopeful a third wave could be prevented. I asked him about the accreditation BAMS, B-A-M-S, that comes after his name. Yes. BAMS means uh, Bachelor of Ayurvedic Medicine and uh, Surgery. Uh, it's a five and a half years uh, course 
which is certified by uh, the central government and the state government of india uh, so if you can able to complete 5 years in 6 months it's a doctorate degree in ayurveda where you will be given a license uh, to practice ayurveda can you explain ayurveda for folks who are unfamiliar yes yeah so uh, ayurveda uh, is ancient uh, indian medicine system Uh, which uh, gives you the knowledge about uh, oneself so that one can able to lead a healthy long life in simple term where the knowledge of life exists that is ayurveda so ayurveda is mainly to sustain health and to prevent disease then uh, comes curing the disease so ayurveda will give you a basic understanding about your personalities about the daily routines about the seasonal routines what kind of a food you one should have what kind of a lifestyle one should follow so that he can able to keep himself uh, balanced and he can able to prevent the diseases even once when he gets certain diseases uh, see in ayurveda we understand health is not only a concept health is a st- state of reality or health is a state where one experiences the reality life and health is not different in ayurveda life is healthy life total health is harmony total harmony is experiencing the spirit experiencing the spirit is purity and we say purity is health and impurity is disease so ayurvedic treatments are designed to remove these impurities from the mind and body so that we can make oneself pure and to be conscious of himself and he'll be conscious of his body mind and uh, spirit so in simple term ayurveda is a lifestyle uh, medicine which gives you a real knowledge to understand about life and yourself the most common introduction to ayurveda that i've seen is people learning what their dosha is yes see there are two aspect of ayurveda the first part of ayurveda deals with the promotive health and preventive health the second part of ayurveda deals with the uh, curative health so in first part knowing the dosha personalities alone is not ayurveda knowing so when you say dosha personality we call that as prakriti prakriti means the element energies what you have at the time of conception which will make your physical and mental characteristics that cannot be changed you can improve it but you cannot change it so when you know what dosha personality you are you can able to follow certain diet and lifestyle you know what kind of a diseases you are going to get so that you can able to sustain a balance in your constitution and you can maintain health and you can prevent disease so ayurveda means most of the people when they understand as dosha personalities that is needed to know your strength and weakness what kind of a diet lifestyle you can follow in terms of uh, uh, preventive health and promotive health and even you can follow certain uh, Uh, regimen which will also give you certain spiritual upliftments in in yogic science etc but as uh, when you go out of balance and the the disease is created then we do the treatment considering what their personality so that's what uh, ayurveda is uh, is very unique okay yeah i asked my guests about the historical role of smell in their tradition starting with steve polacus There's not a whole lot about smell in the Bible, which is interesting. Like there are a couple things here and there, but it's not like a huge deal. Um in our worship, uh which is very traditional and incorporates a lot of practices that were used in the ancient world and also in medieval times, we we love uh in my tradition as Episcopalians to like use our senses to engage our way of communing with God. 
And so smell is definitely one of those things. I actually have a couple things here. Like one of the kind of obvious things that many people know about is incense. And incense traditionally comes from, it's the resin of a tree in the Horn of Africa. Uh, that's frankincense. So frankincense, you know, hear about it. That's what the wise men brought to Jesus as a gift. One of them was, uh, was frankincense. And uh, it was a very valuable commodity in the ancient world. And we use it. Um, many Episcopal churches will use it almost every single Sunday. And we use this thing called a thurible, which I'm picking up right now. And our thurible has these like bells on it. And it looks kind of like Byzantine. It's like kind of cool. And you have this uh, little like chamber thing down here that I just pulled up. And uh, then you take uh, this boat of incense like this and kind of like scoop a little bit in there and close it. And there's a hot coal and the coal burns the incense. Um, so why did Christians start to use incense in worship? Well, like uh, many religious traditions, um, many of them use incense. It's certainly not specific to us alone by any means. Um, but it's because it definitely like heightens our senses and it marks the space in an olfactory sense as separate and sacred from the rest of the world outside. So since we don't walk around smelling frankincense all the time, um, I think there is like a super visceral reaction that people have when they walk into a church and they smell it. I mean, I know I feel that myself. It's like, it's not rational. I'm not using the thinking part of my brain. I'm actually going to light some incense right now since we're just sitting and chilling and talking about smell in church. So there's this coal. You just get it going. I have this in this little incense pot. So anyway, it's like this feeling, same way as sacred music and sacred architecture uh, engages your senses and you just feel transported into something else. Liturgical scholars um, said that the incense, which looks like smoke when you burn it, it's like this white smoke, um, reminds of, of the Holy Spirit. And so in the liturgy itself, the priest will sense the altar and then um, sense the gifts, the bread and the wine, and then sense the people. And uh, that's a symbol of how the Holy Spirit is present with all of us and then connects us like that. So that's a lovely thing. There's also like a super practical reason, which is uh, in previous times until very recently, uh, we were much smellier. Everything was a lot smellier. And one of the main reasons they had incense in cathedrals in Europe was that um, peasants brought their livestock into the cathedral because you couldn't just like leave it and it reeked. So they needed something to cover up the animal smell. And uh, the church was wealthy enough to be able to have um, this incense. So it covered up the smell and, you know, kind of form follows function. So, um, you know, I think that it was used as a super nice thing and people felt it was holy. And then they're like, oh yeah, it's the Holy spirit. Um, but it also served this super practical purpose. My coal is hot now. So I'm just going to like put a spoonful of the incense on the coal and it smells. Mm, it's just such a specific smell. And even as I'm smelling it, yeah, it's like I know that I'm doing something holy and good. It's like a blessing for right now. It's a blessing for our conversation. And it's in this place where like so many good things happen and, and people 
encounter God so much? So I work with different scents. Um, and I definitely got that. I've always been into like smelling good. I think it's an Oshun thing, but definitely from a priestess perspective, we work with scent and smell and herbs and Florida water and incense, um, quite a lot. And we do this as cleansing your aura. We do this as ways, um, with like anointing the Florida water, which is like an alcohol based, it's made with like alcohol and essential oils. And it's been used since, you know, I think like the 17th century, 16th century. And you anoint your body with your body with it as a way of refreshing your spirit and as a way of keeping away bad spirits. So smell, as you know, has a vibration. And so there's certain scents that you can use to ground you, to protect you, and to keep your aura clean. So when you, you know, you have a, a, a smell around you, it's kind of like a bubble of protection. I make a rose water for myself ever since I got pregnant. When during my pregnancy, I was so nauseous, but I would just spray myself with rose water all the time and it would take away my nausea. And then ever since then, I'm, I'm obsessed with rose. I also use lavender not only with my work and my class, um, but I, I use it for my own mental health. I take a little bit of lavender on my tips of my fingers and I massage it into my head before I go to sleep at night. And it just helps me to sleep, reminds me I'm a queen, you know, that just to like take away the the day and reset Mm -hmm. for like a nice evening of dreams and all that good stuff. Instead of like everything I didn't get a chance to do throughout the day. <laughs> Why is scenting yourself and using perfume so important in your tradition? Perfume is another way to elevate you, your spirit. Because you have these floral essences that are captured in the moment. And then when it's released onto your body, it makes you feel rich. Yes, it, it makes does. you feel, you know, like like a shield of of glitter and protection. And it allows you to have an air of elegance and royalty that surrounds you because you've anointed your body. And so you're walking around in this vibration of like riches and flowers and that whole essence. So, like, especially, like, in Cuba, you know, some people, they might not have a lot of money. But guess what? Every day, they got their perfume on. They have their clean, beautiful face. They have their iron clothes, and they go to the street, palante, palante. So, like, cologne and perfume is, like, a big part of the culture, I think. You know, it's a way of adorning yourself, like with your with your nasal elements. 
not just totally. the physical, but like that whole like nasal. It does something to you. Any other historical perfumes? Definitely mariposa. It's my favorite. Like I have my favorite. There's some them some smells like if I smell it, I'll just be transported to another place. And mariposa is like that's my favorite perfume. You can only get it in Cuba. The smell of the rum. It's very distinct. It will take me there. And there's also like, um, it's called Bonabel. It's a una colonia, but it's for children. That little girls will take a little bit and you put it on before you go to bed so that you don't have bad dreams. The smell of that one, the jasmine one. I go to another place. But I wanted to tell you that in Cuba, there. And if you go to Old Havana, like if I took you to Cuba, I would take you to this place. It's a perfume shop where they co- you come in, they have all these different bottles all over, and they ask you like really intimate questions. And based mm. off your answers, they create a scent that's just for you. Like what? What kind of questions do they ask? They'll ask you like, how do you spend your morning? What's your diet? What's your love life? Like really yeah. interesting. So I'll tell you like, just my my own suggestion. If you ever go, don't mix your scent with someone else's scent. Just keep your own. <laughs> no, like I went there and I thought it'd be cute. Like, oh, my scent, your scent, we're together. Let's put our scents together. I should have known it was like foretelling. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Sundata explained there are over 6,000 medicinal plants and at least 1,500 of them have fragrant properties with various applications. He spoke about the practice of chewing betel leaves after a meal and combined with mace, nutmeg, and cardamom to remove bacteria from the mouth. He described some smells from its early spiritual life. Okay, so uh, I'm from the Indian cultural background. From the day we are born, we are associated with different kinds of smells. Really? Uh, the fil- yeah, yeah. Wow. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So uh, even uh, we have a ceremony as soon as we are born, uh, they scrape the gold in uh, ghee and honey and they give us to smell and then they uh, uh, lick it on the tongue. Then uh, a child will feed on the right breast of the mom. Wow. Okay, this we call as, a, yeah. So we have the, now, it, this has, unfortunately, this has not been practiced by most of the people. And a lot of people have forgotten about these kinds of uh, rituals and ceremonies and all. So it starts from there. Even when you die, okay, when you die also at the time of death, when you do the cremation or even the burial, there are certain woods we use. To, to cremate, even to burn. So till from birth to death, always there is a connection with the with the smell we have. Okay, so uh, the philosophy and the practice of uh, cosmic memory uh, through smelling, you will discover your personal body wisdom and intuition, uh, your singular mission in the world and your connection to the divine within you and around you. So uh, I use personally uh, aromatic medicinal plants in every aspect right from uh, daily routine to the treatment of various uh, diseases. 
so these aromatic herbs uh, in uh, every possible way like internal use inhalation fumi fumigation nasal administration uh, will be using it and uh, we are also very much aware of uh, this therapeutic potentials of uh, these aromatic uh, herbs uh, on psychosomatic level so the sense of uh, smell for spiritual practices the social customs and the domestic rituals and later gradually became uh, a part and parcel of my work life i used the sense of smell not only in the cosmetics or uh, beauty treatments but also to treat diseases and also for spiritual uplift upliftment with my patients so we have a lot of procedures in ayurveda which are related with smell so we have a procedure known as dupana it is a medical fumigation we have medicated oils which we call thailams anjanas we call kuliriyams Uh, we use churnas the powders were prepared from herbs used externally in many diseases there are see my hometown yeah is in tamil nadu state uh, so in my hometown i was born and brought up in a village where we are surrounded by lot of banana trees coconut trees so every home will have a holy basil plant i am from a brahmin community uh, their brahmin community means they are thinking class they are considered as a upper class in india and now there is no uh, the, now we, uh, there is no discrimination everyone is equal uh, we we all are aware of that every human uh, you know every human we have to treat with kindness and, uh, and with great respect but being born in that community uh, one thing is uh, especially in the we have holy basil every home will have a holy basil plant so they believe that the holy basil is a sign of health and wealth and uh, we believe that it prevents the evil energy coming inside the houses so as soon as you get up when you go to clean your teeth or to pass your morning routine you always you uh, go across the holy basil plant it is very sacred also for us it's not the only a plant which is worshiped in the temple it is uh, every indian home have that plant used as a medicine there are four to five varieties of holy basil plants we have so i'm we are, i'm very much connected to that as soon as i get up and i go so you get the aroma of the holy basil so which is uh, unforgettable then you go near the well you have a goa tree and mango tree then you have a coconut tree then you have bananas uh, then then the morning soil you know the soil uh, it, it emits certain uh, fragments okay uh, especially in the morning uh, you can really experience that so uh, we, we don't have any procedure like uh, to preserve those kinds of smell that's what i said these smell will provoke our uh, memory we say as a cosmic memory every cell has a cosmic memory where it creates the union between uh, us and the universe where you be you feel or you experience it oneness actually when you feel that when you feel the smell you forget everything it gives you a great joy it gives you a great joy okay even now i'm sitting here uh, we have lot of uh, neem trees around our place okay so i'm i'm smelling the the neem leaves In addition to neem leaves, the aroma of cardamom had a special influence on Dr. Sundara. My grand grandmother, her mother, she usually ground the cardamom. My grandmother grounded the cardamom. My mom grounded the cardamom. Now my wife is grounding the cardamom. So, so one thing when when uh, when my grandmother was grounding the cardamom, I was uh, I was very little. I usually ask her. We are three times or four times in a week. You keep on grounding the cardamom. So she said one thing. Okay, see, grounding the cardamom. Uh, she asked me, "Do you like the smell?" I said, "Yeah, it's a great smell." I said, 
you know why we ground the cardamom i said why because the men in the home they'll go outside when they come back they'll have a lot of anger and the energy is completely violent so when we keep grounding when they enter we can able to find out what emotions they are whether they are angry or whether they are uh, upset or frustrated so as soon as we started to ground the whole home will be surrounded with the cardamom smell so that will ground them that will balance them also she said we talked about how smelling the ghee which is a clarified butter popular in india on the altar was his way of paying respect that smell even uh, we have our even in our tradition they keep the old ghee the ghee which is old by uh, 10 years 20 years 50 years 100 years you know they keep it in the jar so every day in the morning you have to go and see your face on the ghee which is kept on the golden jar on the vessel okay uh, and which means you are smelling naturally they don't say you are smelling they say go and see the face which means you smell literally see there is a beautiful verse uh, in uh, rudram rudram is a very popular uh, vedic chanting uh, for lord shiva uh, so in that there is a small part we call as a mrityunjaya mantra so if you want to be immortal they say this mantra in the people who follow yoga they know this mantra very well even in us or in europe om trayambakam yajamahe sugandhim pushtivardhanam urvarukam eva bandhanar mrityor mukshiyam amruta there is one line uh, sugandhim pushtivardhanam gandha is actually the smell it means the use of fragrant uh, things helps in maintaining the good health so this has been said uh, more than 10000 years before smell is everything everything see uh, we call gandha even in kama sutra i think everyone knows about kama sutra india is a country where you have two extreme yoga as well as the kama sutra also <laughs> in kama sutra they say that the men and women they need, they need to know or they need to understand the 64 arts okay uh, in that 64 arts of love one of the art is gandhavati gandhavati is an art which means you have to know about smell about making perfumes etc to enhance your love wow. okay so yeah so even even we have reference uh, historic reference buddha everyone knows about buddha buddha had a very serious intestinal block i don't know have you, have you heard about this? yeah buddha had a se- serious intestinal block then he called his uh, disciple uh, he is also close to buddha his name is jivaka jivaka is a buddhist monk but he wrote lot of ayurvedic uh, literatures okay buddha is from india okay uh, but he, the buddhism never get popular in india it spread in branches uh, outside but jivaka who is a close physician of buddha he gave him lotus flower he made a few herbs like a paste and he wrapped he he applied those paste the uh, on the lotus and he gave uh, buddha to smell and buddha smelled it and his intestinal block uh, got cleared i wanted to know more about the smells associated with specific rituals i started by asking my luisa about the smells of her initiation ceremony yeah i mean there's different elements um but there's herbs and there's like herbal baths that you take with like to cleanse your body so when we do a spiritual bath we will take herbs that are prescribed living like not cooked and you crush them up you make a bath and you pour you take a regular bath and then you pour that from your head down and just let it wash and then you air dry So like there's certain smells that remind me of my ceremony 
Like I, if I smell coffee, tobacco, and fabuloso and Florida water, like those smells remind me of my initiation in Cuba. They remind me of ceremony, you know. Fabuloso is not part of the ceremony. It's just like part of the cleanup, but it's there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) Is there any ritual you have involving smell to get yourself centered? Yeah. So I have my rose. That's what I keep on me in my purse and around me all the time. Even when I'm teaching, I have it right next to me. So that's my go-to. If I'm feeling bad, I I have a perfume, my favorite perfume that I keep in front of Oshun. So when I want to like do something really big, I'll spray myself and then I'll spray my altar. So we smell the same and we have that connection. So when I go out in the street, you know, I have that extra layer of protection. When I um, have people in my house, after they leave, I burn um, frankincense and myrrh. And um, that helps me to center myself. Right. The practice of smudging is used in so many places. Can you talk about why you do that? So that anything that they had with them goes out the door with them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, people just can have things attached to them, like negative energy. It's not their intention to have it, but just so, you know, all this stuff doesn't linger in my house. And Mm -hmm. uh, frankincense does that. And we also do uh, floor washes. So you can take different herbs. And um, like I always put Florida water. um, Kananga is another one. Different like waters. And I do a floor wash. And like you could do different floor washes. Some floor washes bring money to your home. Um, other floor washes, if you feel like off or you like have some negative vibe and you want to like raise your vibration, there's other ones that you can do. So floor washes is another part of the whole scent ritual thing. I asked Steve, I mean, Father Pollicus, if there were any scents involved in baptism. I've got another thing that we use um, in liturgy. Liturgy is like our word for ritual. And uh, that this is, I'm holding this little thing, and it's like these three metal silver cylinders, and each one of them contains a holy oil that's been blessed for like a different purpose. Um, one is for healing, and I'll take it to the hospital, for instance, when people are sick, and I'll pray over them and I'll anoint them. Um, but the top one is something called chrism, which uh, comes from the Greek word for anointing, and it's uh, it smells like lavender. And every year, the bishop, uh, who's sort of the head of the churches in our area, blesses uh, this oil um, and gives us a fresh stock. And uh, I will take this chrism then, and when I baptize a baby, for instance, I'll dip my finger in after I baptize the baby and then anoint the baby on the forehead with the sign of the cross, and it smells like lavender. Um, there's actually no particular theological reason why it has to smell like lavender. It just smells nice. And again, practically speaking, that's one of the ways I know that I'm using this chrism as opposed to the other oils, which 
are not scented. Um, but I love the idea of like this blessed thing being taken from kind of like the center of religious practice out um, and the smell being the thing that kind of like continues with it. So, you know, even though the oil was blessed several months ago, it still smells like lavender. The bishop smelled the same thing. We all smelled the same thing when it was blessed. And now this baby um, who's just beginning its life uh, has that smell on their head. It's like a really lovely thing. And my like incense pot is super smoking right now. Dr. Sundara mentioned that scented oils were applied to the skin in many treatments, and he brought up sandalwood. And uh, we will be using on the third eye to protect the third eye. So that is a very familiar uh, smell, sacred ash. We, use, uh, we have a certain uh, medicinal wood which we burn it and we get the ashes and that we apply uh, during the summer season on the forehead. And we wear the beads also, which also made up of uh, lotus uh, uh, seeds, basil seeds and all, which also have a natural uh, fragrance. And uh, some, some days I'll have more people to see. Someday I have, I have so much of emotions. Always it happens around me. Uh, even when they undergo the biopurification procedures, regenerative procedure, which we call as panchakarma. Nowadays they call as a detox and uh, rejuvenation processes. People will undergo different kinds of emotional shifts so I had to be more aware of myself. And uh, as a healer, always uh, healer is the first person who get uh, affected by these kinds of energy, not only with the infectious diseases, okay, even with the emotional disturbances. So we don't want to be drained. You know, when we are drained, we'll be crawling. So we want to fly always. So we need a protection, but most of the healers, uh, they don't understand this. So protection is not only important for healers, protection is important for each and every individual. I use lotus oil, which has been prepared uh, in, in uh, nail graves in a natural way. And what I do is I apply on the third eye. I apply on the third eye and heart chakra. So morning, as soon as uh, uh, taking a bath, we have a little rituals we do. After doing those rituals, I take this lotus oil, I smell a bit, and then I apply on, the th on, the, on my uh, heart chakra on the third eye. So when there is a day where I have to talk a lot, I'll be applying on my throat chakra also. Wow. Maybe when I have like uh, 18 hours of uh, practice, you know, 18 hours of uh, practice or a talking or a courses, I'll be uh, doing it for navel chakras also. I asked Steve, who often visits people who are sick, if he feels a need to protect himself or create some distinction between himself and the people he's working with in a healing capacity, and if he ever uses smell in that process. I 100% believe in healing. I have experienced it both as a healer and a heal E. Um, and yeah, smell definitely has a lot to do with it. If you just think about it again in like a super practical way, like, you know, a lot of places where this happens is in a hospital. My church is right across the street from uh, New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital. And that's where it's like the main hospital in Brooklyn. It's where a lot of my parishioners go when they are ill. Just think for a second about what hospitals smell like. And you can like recall certain smells. There's a sort of um, disinfectant smell often. There is often the smell of feces or vomit. Um, there is the smell of the food being delivered to people, which is food that is not homemade, right? It's like institutional food. Um, and then if you're in like an extreme situation, like a, um, 
a uh, like an emergency room or something like that. They're just all kind of other smells that have to do with illness. So it's uh, those smells are not conducive to healing. They are not conducive to healing. They are either like antiseptic and sterile, or they recall sort of bad emotions, I think. Um, so I would love to be able to take something like this incense pot into, uh, into someone's uh, room, but I do take that oil stock with me. And because all this stuff has been like blessed and all that, like I just think of, you know, the word you use was energy. If you think about the energy around that, um, it helps to center myself so that I remember who I am in relationship to someone who is sick or suffering, that it's their suffering and not mine. And that my job is to be present um, and to allow a healing power that is, does not come from me but that I might be able to channel in some way um, for that person. So it's actually a super common thing. Like every single one of my colleagues, like we all go to hospitals and nursing homes, sometimes prisons, homeless shelters, all types of places. And people ask us to pray. And uh, I mean every word of when I pray with people, you know, Um, the trick is to, be as connected as possible with the person who's asking for help or that you want to help while remembering who you are in the equation. You know, I'm just the healer. This is, this is not, this is this other person's journey. And I'm, I'm privileged to walk alongside them in this particular capacity. Um, Incidentally, if you happen to be on the other end of healing, uh, it helps if you do that too. Remember, this is this is my journey, and I'm open to, if I trust this person, I'm open to what this person is doing for me or trying to do for me, as long as um, that person's intentions are positive and pure. Um, so all that stuff with respect to smell, you know, it's like, um, you know, in a hospital, let's say again, like, uh, you know, your senses are super heightened as well. And very few of the sensory stimuli that one gets in a hospital are geared towards healing. You go to a hospital, think about what the room looks like, what the hallway looks like. Everything is just ugly, ugly as sin, right? If you're lucky, you get like a private room. If not, you're with someone else while you're in the super vulnerable state. That's like sight. You know, the sounds are just like beeping and people talking there's no like there's very little like healing words no like music and you know the things that we normally turn to to be healed so you know even though even if i'm not able to bring like a smell particularly into a situation like that um i always uh prepare myself in some way just to kind of like center myself ground myself and um ask for grace at the very least to be present and perhaps even to be present present in a positive way um, for someone that might be in need of my help. And I got to tell you, it's pretty amazing. Like I have been, so when I say privilege, like I've been privileged to participate in so many amazing things with people, you know, um, whether it's like overcoming an illness and being healed or 
being healed sometimes means um, accepting the end of life. Um, there are just there are so many opportunities to do it. Um, it's a shame, I think, in our society that um, that we don't avail ourselves so often of the healing power of senses. I knew Maya Luisa would have some thoughts on this one. I have this little setup of like different Florida waters, my rose water, like all these different sprays. Because even as I do, I do healing work, even virtually, I still cover my head. I keep a glass of water in front of me with my crystals. I have my, my Florida waters and stuff so that as I'm downloading messages and as I'm providing space for people to heal that anything any residue any negativity doesn't stay that it can be and go where it needs to go which is not around me or in my home I would suggest everybody find their own protective scent whatever it is it could be sandalwood and I think that is different for every person but have that on you all the time, in your purse, in your bag, so that no matter where you go, you always have an opportunity to be grounded and to feel protected because scent will do that. Scent will remind you of your regality. Scent will remind you of your divinity. It can do that. And so that's what I do. And I highly suggest everyone just have your little little bottle on you, no matter where you are. Sometimes I'll be riding about, you know, years ago when I used to ride the subway and the energy be off for one of those crazy people come in front of me. I sure enough have my spray <laughs> and they they go away. So that's my suggestion. It's that time, y'all. We're giving you smell tips. <laughs> So the three doshas are Vata, Pitta, and Kappa. And when I tell you that Dr. Sundara was so generous, he dropped scent recommendations for each dosha. Let's go. So in short, Vata is a wind energy. Uh, they'll be hyperactive physically and mentally. They are very creative with a good imagination. Uh, okay, but uh, they are also very anxious, nervous, and worrisome all the time. They are like rabbits, deer, uh, monkey, fox, jackal, those kinds of personality. So when they, when they have uh, uh, the fire, earth, and water energy elements, which is opposite to them, we can able to create a balance. So for those personality, so oils, I'll, 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 I'll tell you the selection of essential oils for each dosha. So oils for vata should be sweet or slightly sour, warming, nourishing, lubricating, and calming to the nervous system and mind in general. Useful fragrances for balancing vata include Clary sage, cypress, geranium, clove, cinnamon, jasmine, rose, orange, musk, sandalwood when applied warm. Okay, the best base is cold pressed sesame oil to use for uh, you know to use these essential oil for pitta. Pitta is a fire energy. You know they are perfectionists. They are more organized. They are more responsible. They are goal-seeking people. They are short-tempered, irritable, egoistic. So there are certain characters. So pitta, you ask for yourself. Oils for pitta should be sweet or slightly astringent or bitter, cooling to the body 
and balancing for such emotion as agitation impatience anger aggression so suitable fragrances are chamomile honeysuckle melissa gardenia lotus mint jasmine uh, lemongrass rose vetiver sandalwood rosewood sandalwood is used on the third eye uh, region to calm the mind the best carrier oil for pitta is coconut oil next the pitta they are like a uh, cats and tiger family okay so kapha kapha is earth and water energy so uh, earth and water energy means will be tall uh, muscular or short stout they very slow physically and mentally they are slow people they are not uh, provoked easily once when they are provoked very hard to control they very calm personalities but they are very dull and lazy they love food and sleep so they are very similar to elephants cow bisons horses buffaloes etc so these people kapha people oils for kapha should be pungent slightly astringent or bitter spicy light woody warming yet stimulating to the mind and body such fragrances include cedar eucalyptus pine cinnamon myrrh sage musk patchouli carrier oils for kapha include flaxseed oil olive oil almond oil jojoba oil or mustard oil yeah yeah, yeah. these oils can be used for protection also before you start the work to heal yourself some people they cannot perceive smell like as in covid you know in covid what we do no we we use very simple techniques we apply neem oil inside the nostrils uh, you know that will improve the smell perception or we tell we give them the clove powder and cardamom powder to chew to oh. chew the clove and the cardamom powder when they when they chew it within 2 to 3 days they can gain uh, 70 to 80% of the smell perception well i'm actually a pretty smelly person and i found that the only soap that really works to control my own smells is lever 2000 bar soap so if you're at the end of your rope uh just go out to right aid and buy a bar of lever 2000 hey that's not what i was expecting but okay hey the incense that you have burning right now actually relates to the smell mail question Someone went to a wedding in Spain and they saw incense burning in the church that the wedding was happening in and they wanted to know if all churches use the same incense. It's exactly the same. There's no difference. Use your scent and as part of your intuition. Meaning like sometimes people can smell off and we might not even like think about that thought or honor it like hmm he kind of smells like dirt you know probably like oh he's been out all day and it's okay but sometimes that that smell that dirt smell is because there's a bad spirit around them or something like that so pay attention when your nose is talking to you um just honor that as part of your intuition as part of your you know somebody's guiding you and showing you and telling you some information you should pay attention to what about your smell vision for the future i really want to honor my my love affair with rose and go even deeper like i'm it's it's i'm growing roses in my my house now like it's wow. a whole thing because i'm obsessed with it <laughs> <laughs> be more receptive to smell so when you're more receptive to smell you become more conscious of yourself and you become more close to your 
your own cosmic level. So, you know, imagine like a, that a hospital or a nursing home or something um, were filled with different smells that made it smell and seem holier or more nurturing um, than the smells that you tend to smell when you walk into a place like that. How can people find out more about you? Yes. So come to my classes. I have, I'm starting a new belly dancing, sacred belly dancing class in July. I'm doing my first in-person event July 25th, but you can always join me for my weekly classes, Salsa Tropicana and Sensual Stretch every Monday and Tuesday. And all the information is on my IG, which is at Maya underscore Luisa, M-A-Y-A underscore L-O-U-I-S-A. Yeah, you know, we um, we have this amazing program called Sound Bath Evensong that combines healing sound uh, with traditional liturgy. And it's really beautiful and meditative. You can find out more about it at allsaintsparkslope.org. Yeah, we live stream our, all of our services. Uh, all you have to do is just go to allsaintsparkslope.org and you can watch it. You wouldn't be able to smell it, though. That's the one problem. Dr. Sundata offers Ayurvedic consultations via WhatsApp, Zoom, and Skype. Charge very reasonably. It's not too expensive. And he offers courses on Ayurveda. You can email him. They can email me. At mountaintopclinic at gmail.com or go to their website, mountaintopclinic.com to sign up for a quarterly newsletter about Ayurveda with recipes, remedies, and so forth. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks so much for being here. Okay, thank you for this opportunity. Thanks for Anna Marie also, which you had introduced. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Irene. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Links to all our guests can also be found on the website, smellya.net. Nothing but net, baby. Thanks for listening. Drop a question for our Smell Mail segment on Instagram at Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean.